Hello, and welcome to Ask Me About K-Pop, the essential guide for recent converts and seasoned fans alike. My name is Shannon, and I am joined by my co-host and best pal, Angelica. Angelica, how are you? I'm doing great, Shannon. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Um, Today we have a kind of interesting episode in that, like, I thought that it would end up being a really fun episode, but it actually... Feels like the research Ended up depressing. Being pretty sad. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, something that, like, you may not know if you haven't been in K-pop like a super long time, but not all K-pop idols are Korean. Very true. Or from Korea, if they are Korean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of them might be Korean, but like Korean American or Korean Canadian. Some of them are Japanese or Thai. Um, there's a huge variety. Yeah. So we just wanted to like spend some time like shouting out the foreign idols and like how their experience is different mm-hmm. from other like, you know, native born Korean idols. And uh, yeah, so. But we're not going to just run down a list because the first thing that you will see as soon as you type in like non-Korean idol or foreign idol into Google, there's so many. Yeah. There's There's more than you'd think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like 50 or more in groups like in. Do you want to. Do you have that list open? You want oh, to just I like do. just shout out some of the groups that have foreign members. Okay. Uh Got Seven, SNSD, FX, Seventeen, B2B, U Kiss, Day Six, Super Junior, IOI, Epic High, Nine Muses, Stray Kids, Blackpink, CLC, Twice, XO, NCT, Pentagon. Cross Gene, MIB, like it just the list goes on. It just goes on. on. Um, So we're thinking at first of talking a little bit about how some of these idols like ended up in K-pop in the first place, right? Especially uh, an idol who maybe is all the way from the United States, like Tiffany from Girls Generation, for example, is from the U.S. Isn't Jessica from the U.S. as well? That's true. Um, And so, like, how would someone that's all the way from a different continent end up as a Korean idol? I was trying to look into like the historical. Context to see like when foreign idols started being a thing, and I could have sworn that Tony from HOT was American just because like mm, his name was his Tony, name is Tony, but I couldn't find any evidence yeah. of him being anywhere but in Korea. But God, which was like a late end first generation group, had two American, oh, three technically three Americans in it. Uh, two were born in America, one was born in Korea and grew up in America, mm-hmm. so they had like three American Korean American members. Which was something, but the like first one I could find that was actually kind of a huge deal is a member of Super Junior. His name is Hanging, mm-hmm. and he was Chinese, and he got cast to like be in Super Junior. And the original concept of Super Junior was that it was supposed to be like rotating and always like in a Menudo style, like young. So oh. the first Super Junior debuted as Super Junior 06 because, like, that's, like... Because they were the original, yeah. like, group members for that group. But yeah. then eventually those members would graduate and they'd get or a new Or something, but that, that okay. never happened. But they debuted with this Chinese guy, Hang Gang, and, uh, like, a month or two into their first promotions... Uh, someone got wind that, like, he did not have the right visa, that, like, <gasps> SM didn't know, because no one had ever done this before. They didn't, like, quite know all the rules between all the international stuff. So this kid could not perform on TV. Like, he wasn't legally allowed to, but they were like, what can we do? So they literally put him in a full mask, like, Jabberwocky style. 
so that he could keep doing the promotions. But like most people didn't even know he was in the group because they like couldn't acknowledge him. And he was like wearing a mask. Wow. That's um, so until like until they got all his paperwork settled out. I mean, I guess it's a creative solution. I don't know if it's really the most efficient or appropriate solution, but. And it had a, it had a like deep effect on him that like lasted through his tenure in the group and he like sued to get out of it a couple of years later. Sure that that was like pretty traumatic for him. I mean, especially because most of these idols train and debut as teenagers. Like you're very young and impressionable. And then it's like, yeah, you made it to this group, but we must hide your face. Yeah, and I read about him, which I think you might have in your notes, like, similar stories that he, you know, like, he made this audition to, like, go be a pop star in Korea, but, like, his pa- his parents were super poor, and he, like, didn't have the heart to ask anyone for anything, so he showed up in Korea with not a dime in his pocket, spoke no Korean at all, and just, like, mm-hmm. had to make it work. Yes, uh, I ha- I read, well, there are a couple different stories of people just, like, Risking it all and going to Korea. Like, Tiffany did that. Um, she initially auditioned at... Tiffany's from California, yeah. and she initially auditioned at, like, an SM Global audition in L.A., but her family was really against her going and being moving to Korea mm-hmm. and being an idol. And when she was 15, she decided to do it anyway. So she, like, passed the audition and just hopped on a plane and, like, didn't... She is Korean-American, but she didn't have a super solid grasp on the language. And so, like, she said that she had a really hard time moving on or moving over. Um, but, yeah. Should we just talk about a couple different casting stories? Yeah, like, stories? I, if you have some casting stories, I'd be interested as to, like, how these people... Uh, like get involved in K-pop at all, especially the types. I mean, we'll get into it, but like there are a lot of people who are not only not like not only not. Oh, yeah. Not only are they not Korean nationals, they also also maybe are not even Asian. Is that what you're thinking? Or there's a couple of those. Yeah, too. But I was also thinking like like Amber from FX. Oh, yeah. She is from America. And yeah. And Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then there's the groups that are like. Yeah, well, I guess that that would be kind of similar to someone coming straight from Thailand or China. Right, right, right. Um, but just like the nature of the melting pot of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A different, whatever. Like, no, because they're not yeah, white, but they're not. Yeah, but they have like yeah. Western. They like grew up in American. Western. They're Western. Western. That's, that's what the I word. Needed. That's yeah, the yeah, word yeah. we're looking for. Um, yeah, so there's obviously a lot of Western idols. Um, like Tiffany, I just mentioned, also, uh, also from. Girls' generation is Jessica, and then Amber from FX, and Jessica's sister Crystal. Oh yeah, Crystal from FX. FX as well, um, and then Joshua from Seventeen. Uh, Vernon was born in the U.S., but then like moved to Korea when he was like four or five. Um, but so I was kind of disappointed to be honest because I thought that there would be more like interesting stories of how most people got cast, especially because in Korea there's like. You know, the, of the idols that are K- Korean, they like whatever have some of them have interesting really stories, interesting but stories. they're mostly boring. A lot of people just did it through like an the SM global, global there's audition. global auditions. Yeah, like that's how when, Wendy's Canadian and Chris Wu is Canadian too. I honestly didn't know Chris was Canadian. I thought he was just Chinese. No, um, but. Anyway, uh, so, like, Chris and Wendy and Jessica and Tiffany, like, they just did uh, 
global oh, auditions. And then there were a couple of people who got cast just, like, in their neighborhoods. Like, Vernon, he was spotted um, waiting outside a subway station, middle school. Like, June, also from 17, he's Chinese. He was scouted at a convenience store with his friends. Um, so, yeah, there weren't, like, a, a lot of super interesting casting stories. Lisa from Blackpink, I noted her because she auditioned at one of the, like, YG global auditions in Thailand, 2010, and she was the only one who passed. Um, So that is very significant. Um, But then the only one that I found sort of like a shocking story of making it on your own was Luhan, because he... uh, well, it kind of depends on, like, who wrote the article. Some people just say that he, like, changed schools, and then some people are like, he dropped out of high school. Um, so it kind of depends on your take. But anyway, he did leave his high school, school in Beijing uh, at 15, and he moved to uh, Korea to become – he enrolled in the Yonsei University Language School, and that's how he started learning Korean. Um, but when he left China, he left – to audition and become an idol and he auditioned at JYP and he didn't get accepted and then he was just like a student at school learning Korean and then he was scouted out like at a market or somewhere Uh, by SM and that's how he ended up with SM but his was the only sort of like surprising surprising story that I found the global auditions thing is interesting because I all it seems like they might be um, expanding these global auditions to like newer places because when I was looking for lists of foreign idols, I found that uh, JYP's new group Stray Kids mm-hmm. has two Australians in it. Oh. They're like Korean Australians and they like were cast in Australia at like a global audition in Australia. Uh, one of the members of Blackpink also was auditioned. She's not Australian, but she was living in Australia right. for a while. I think it was Rosé. That sounds right to um, me too. And she, I think, auditioned in Australia. But I could be wrong. But she is Korean. She was just living with her dad in Australia, I believe. Oh, New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. Sorry, people in Australia and New Zealand. No, you guys don't like that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. She did both. Both, both, both. Let's see. She was born in New Zealand and raised in Australia. Ah. Hey, there we go. So we got both. Oh, well, then the article I read was there. I read an article that said she was Korean, but was just living in Australia. But she is, she should have been on our list. She should have been. Idols. I'll, I'll, I'm putting it on the list right now so For that future I won't reference. forget. <laughs> um, but uh, obviously, like, this is, you say you are cool kid, California kid, want to be a Korean idol or whatever. Like, it seems like a lot of these people don't speak Korean or if they did, it was very little or mm-hmm. the, or people who like straight up didn't. Like, I think that's probably one of the I think that's one of the biggest challenges for like a non-Korean idol is that like because oh, people absolutely. give them shit about it, too. Like mm-hmm. the uh, I learned I didn't realize this. I probably should have known this, but like uh, three girls in twice are Japanese. Mm hmm. And they get like people get very mad about their pronunciation a lot. Like so, like yeah. that's an added pressure of like a being able to communicate, but then to like perform in this language properly so that you like mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, I mean, not only do you have to learn how to like sing in this language, you also have to learn you're going to have to do all of your promotions in this language. Like you have to go. We've talked before about how like uh, like Yixing, for example, from EXO, like when he's on a variety show, sometimes it looks like he tunes out because 
everybody starts talking over each other. And since Korean's like his third language, he sort of he doesn't have like yeah, as yeah, yeah. great of a grasp on it. So it's just constantly surrounding you, and you have to do all of your training in this language too. Uh-huh. And I just can't imagine how difficult that must be for those artists. And there are many of them who come go to Korea to be an idol to train and have not one word of mm-hmm. Korean. Um, I did look in to see, like, how do these people learn Korean? And, like, it's pretty self-explanatory. Like, most companies just give you a tutor or sign you yeah. up for classes. There are a few exceptions where, like um, – uh, Joshua, for example, in 17, like he's from the U.S. And so he didn't have to take Korean uh, language lessons per se, but he because he grew up speaking Korean in the house and then English at school. But he doesn't know how to write in Korean. Uh. So he had to take certain like writing classes or whatever. Um, Tiffany had to like get sort of like her own tutor to brush up because her Korean wasn't as good as the rest. Right, even right, though right. She did understand it. Um Lisa from Blackpink, like I mentioned before, she credits a lot of her Korean to Korean dramas. Um, okay, she said so that, like same same stuff for like all the idols who say they learned English watching TV. Like mm-hmm. it goes the other way. Yeah, absolutely. She did take classes. Like, what is she? YG YG like signed her yes. up for classes, but she also credits dramas and her members for helping like teach her. I mean, I'm sure that's really helpful because like you live with your members and they're right. obviously speaking Korean all the time, so. Just the immersion aspect. Most people, I think, end up learning pretty quickly. Like, the one other person I wrote down was uh, Tao from EXO, formerly of EXO. He's from China, and he was one of the EXO web members. Um, When he first joined EXO, he was one of the later additions to the group, and he didn't speak a word of Korean. And he, uh, when he first met Schumann, he called him Opa um, because (laughs) he only knew, like, a couple of words from K-dramas. So he was like, Annyeonghaseyo. <laughs> and Schumann thought he was a girl at first and was like, fit this one. There was like oh, no. adorable miscommunications happening. That <laughs> is always, I think that's like half of the like fun. And like, uh, I guess like there's a way you could like view it as mean spirited, but I feel like it's usually fun when like a foreign member mixes, like mixes mm. up words or whatever. Everybody thinks it's really like charming and precious. Yeah, at least the members per se, or the members specifically are like very, they always think it's really cute and are like supportive or to try and like help correct them or something. But it's always mentioned. I feel like foreign idols, no matter where they go, like can't escape oh, no, the comments like ha- on their accents or their pronunciations or their misspeaks. Like I remember when we were watching uh, We Got Married and Nikun and Victoria were both a couple or were a couple together and Nikun is from Thailand and Victoria is from China. And so they were like the foreigner couple and almost every single comment on from the MCs was about like how they how could foreign they were yeah or like oh they've never tried this or like how are they going to communicate at the market they're both foreigners or like oh they neither wow, of them they're know speaking the word so well or for foreigners yeah. or they're speaking so bad for foreigners yeah it was everywhere it like ha- yeah it has to come up all the time and then I also <laughs> think it's funny like in the case of Vernon where he looks like a foreigner, but, like, he's about as Korean as you get. And, like, people will be like, but you speak Korean so good. And he'll be like, yeah, I went to elementary school and middle school and high yeah. school. Like, this he's is like, where I live. Yes. And they're like, but you look white. 
Like, he's like, yeah, my dad's Korean <laughs> and I grew up here and I've done my entire school career here. Like, Yeah, or I think it's extra funny just because, just because like we speak English and it's like not a big deal. But I love when English Sweetland, like natural born English speaking members they of get things. so much credit they get so much for their credit English. for speaking English well. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. Like what was it? It was on that, oh, we were watching a 17 Club. And they were like, mm-hmm. Joshua, say work and life balance. And yes. he said, work and life balance. And they were like, oh, my God. He's They're so like, good oh, at English. His pronunciation is incredible. And you're like, yeah, he's American. He has the most valley girl yes. lilt in his voice I've ever heard. Um. So that's like our first like hardship or, you know, challenge hurdle for like mm-hmm. a foreign idol is like, Gotta learn, yeah. gotta learn a language that you don't speak. But I will say that most of those idols, like even though they do struggle at first to learn it, they learn it really quickly. Like Tao's members claim that he he became fluent in Korean within the year and was like sleep talking in Korean. And like a lot of the, they pick it up really fast. I know like the eight mentioned that he like picked it up really fast as soon as they were in whatever they're like 24 hour training it's well, such I mean, an immersive uh, experience yeah if it's like it's like it's your it's your if it's your job to learn mm-hmm. how to speak then like i could see it be relatively easy to do so yeah but unfortunately they also face a variety of other struggles oh of course um do we want to get into the financial aspect of it this time, or do we want to? No, save I that think it's really interesting. Else? I think it's really interesting. We could, at the very least, talk about what like Sorn brought up okay. or like whatever, because I think okay. I think it's interesting. Okay, so should we talk about that first, or should we talk about racism first? Oh God, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. This it's, this is all depressing. You know what? Let's start with racism because I'm sorry sorry that I'm laughing about that, but that's not funny. But um, Sorn has a – oh, are you planning to edit this out? Is that why you're eating? No, I couldn't tell if you were planning to edit it out or not. I wasn't. I was just talking. Um, Sorn's at least has kind of a happy ending. It, like, ends upliftingly, and the story that I have (laughs) regarding racism – doesn't have a happy ending. I'm really sorry for laughing through that. I'm just it's <laughs> it's fine. It's uncomfortable. Um, uh, but yeah. So anyway, let's. So, end let's, so we with, were just talking about. Yeah, we were just talking about like struggles. the weird the struggles and like like I was just saying, people get shit for their pronunciation or like mm-hmm. they get criticized a little harder. So like there is. There's an angle of racism in this, yes? Like, Yeah, and a lot of foreign idols or foreign or, like, non-Korean idols will do admit that they feel like they are more so under the microscope than their Korean counterparts or their Korean members simply because they are not Korean. Right. But, like, they, but they are in the Korean public eye, so the Korean public is paying almost more attention to them to see, like, what are they going to do? Right. Um, I read one really sad story from, uh, I believe her name is pronounced, Faye, it maybe it's Fee. I think it's I'm almost positive it's Faye from Miss A. From Miss A. Yeah. yeah. So she's a Chinese member and she um told this story once about how um in her like kind of early debut days, um someone came up to her and asked her I think it was like at a 
I don't remember if it was at like a, it wasn't like a fan sign or something, but it was some event, some mm-hmm. promotional event that she was at. And someone came up to her and asked her um, how often she showered and if she was dirty because this, they had this stereotype that Chinese people only showered once a week and they like accused her oh. of showering only once a week. And she was shocked and surprised that that stereotype even existed. It was something she hadn't heard before and was just like devastated that there she was like brand new k-pop idol and someone's accusing her of being dirty so sad because i don't i feel like anything i say i don't want it to be like excusing this Mm -hmm. behavior but also like i live in america we know about racism they have have complicated (laughs) global history i guess as every country does um But I think that there are a lot of examples where, like, we were talking about Vernon earlier and how people think that he's a foreigner or whatever. And he talks a lot about how when he was growing up – and this isn't specifically to do with him being an idol because, like, he is a Korean citizen. So he kind of almost doesn't even really count as, like, a foreign idol um, because he is Korean and he is a – But he gets treated like one. Yes, he does get treated like one. And he talks a lot about how when he was growing up in elementary school, like – other kids just, like, in his school were completely separate from him being a trainee or an idol or anything, like, would always give him a really hard time about the way that he looked and, like, people would treat him differently um, just because he doesn't look Korean. Right. Mm-hmm. But then on the same side of that, like, Eric Nam, who's from Atlanta, Georgia, said on – was talking when on – on, um, on We Got Married, his solar, his wife, was asking him, like, what was it like growing up in America? And he was like, kids were shitty to me because I was Asian. And she was like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they would, like, make fun of – they would, like, change the shape of their eyes and ask me if I could see. And it's like, yeah, I, growing up in America, I've heard a lot of people say stupid shit like that to uh, Asian classmates. Like, yeah. Racism. I think the point is that people are just like fucking racist. It doesn't matter where you're from. There's racism everywhere. Boo. Yeah. But yeah. But most of these idols that we've been talking about, like they are, whether they're Korean or not, all the idols that we've mentioned so far have been at least Asian in some way, like whether they're Chinese or Japanese or Thai um, or like Korean American, Chinese American. Um, And one of the only, there are very few idols who are not Asian at all. Right. Um, and like one of them. Like four total, right? Or the whole EXP expedition maybe adds a couple I more. think that the conclusion is they don't they count. They don't count. <laughs> I think the conclusion has been that they do not count as a K-pop act. Okay. I enough. certainly don't consider them to be a K-pop fair act. Fair enough. Me I mean, like, maybe this is a debatable opinion, but I feel like you have to have at least one Korean person in your group. I think that's a fair thing. Like, I don't know. I just at feel like At least one. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. But then there's the whole NCT China thing coming out. So I guess that kind of... Who knows? That contradicts my statement just now, but... Anyway. That's a debate for another day. Non-Korean K-pop idol. Like, non-Asian K-pop idols. Non-Asian K-pop idols. There are very few. Um, And one particular person who we brought up once before when we got Rainia as our random play yes. group, we like saw a brief mention of this girl named and Alex people Reed. tweeted us and they were like, you don't know about Alex? And I was, I was like, like no, I don't know don't. anything about Rainia. Like, why would I know anything about this person? <laughs> but anyway, now I know everything about her. Um, her name Perfect. is Alexandra Reed and she's from Kansas. Um, and uh, so this is a girl she, I believe is, I know that she's at least part African-American, but I believe that she's mixed. Um, But she is of African-American background, and she is from Kansas, like I just said. And she joined 
Rainia in 2015. Um, and she joined Rainia like after it was her debut, but it wasn't Rainia's debut. It was one of their comebacks. Um, and it was after like se- a lineup change, right? So like several members had left and then she and I think three other members were added and they came back with Demonstrate, right? Which is right, the song that I you and I both song. love. Um, so in, November of 2015, Demonstrate comes out, and on November 4th, the music video was released, and Alex wasn't in it at all. She's in the song, and she has a whole verse, and she wasn't in the music video at all. And they claimed, the company claimed that they, she wasn't in it because of visa issues, and that's why she couldn't be there when they filmed it. So then, on November 11th, like a few days later, they re-released the video It was exactly the same, except that when it came to her verse, and she's a rapper, so when it came to her verse, they just, like, cut in these shots that they had filmed of her, like, alone on a roof, and it was in black and white, and none of the rest of the music videos in black and white. It looks really weird. It makes her look like a featured artist, and when you look up the music video on the YouTube, that's not what it comes, what comes up. Like, Uh, the original one one without her is the one one that comes up. You have to find the modified version in order to find the one that she's in and for the live version of it when they finally did it on Musicore or M Countdown or whatever like she's not in the choreography she comes out from the back uh, like to do her rap and then she like leaves and then comes back in at the end yeah it's really weird she looks like a featured artist the entire time it's really upsetting Um, so like that was when she first came out with them so like from the beginning she always had they weren't really including her yeah from the the beginning it seems like she's always kind of been on the outside and then and of course, like she had a whole bunch of different like racist comments let thrown at her. Like she first debuted and she had really big curly hair. And then when they did a comeback, she her hair was like straightened. And so mm-hmm. people were like they accused her of skin bleaching and they accused her of like uh, whitewashing herself to which she responded. I had to straighten my hair. Nobody here knew what to do with my hair. So like I have to do it myself. I just straightened it to make all of our lives easier. And then they also, ugh, this poor girl. So she, Rainia, she's not the only non-Korean member in Rainia. They also have a Chinese member. Okay. And after Demonstrate came out, um, she was, in 2016, uh, okay, so in 2016, the remaining three original members of Rainia leave. So that's when they rebrand themselves as BP Rainia. Because this is a whole new, no original original members. members. So that's why they're renamed BP Rainia and Alex is named the leader. So she's the leader of the group. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And so then they like are doing this. They're about to start promoting their new comeback. And uh, they're doing this photo shoot where they're all dressed in handbok. And so many netizens, like internet fans, screamed at her for cultural appropriation, like that she shouldn't be wearing handbok. Not one person criticized the Korean, I mean, the, the Chinese, Chinese member of this group for wearing it. Um, and also I like laughed and laughed when I read that today because I was like, are you kidding me? You're accusing her. <laughs> You're accusing this black girl of cultural appropriation in combat in K-pop when K-pop culturally oh, appropriates yeah, 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 black yeah. culture like nothing else. Like, don't even get me started on those fucking braided hats. Like, I know. we're just gonna move right move along. <laughs> we're gonna move right along. So she's so this poor girl. 
She's named the leader. 2016, they come out with something called Start a Fire. And fans are immediately criticizing and saying, like, hey, she's not in any of the choreography. Like, pretty much consistently since Demonstrate, she, since she's the rapper, she's almost kept always separate. kept separate and, like, featured featured in the songs as coming out in the choreography during her part and that's it and so the choreographer after uh the fans came out and started being like hey what's going on like why isn't she featured in this the choreographer blamed Alex and like threw her under the bus and said that the only reason that she wasn't included in the choreography is because she said that she doesn't need to because she's the rapper and that it was her choice and a personal decision on her part like wouldn't the company want her to be a part of it? Like, duh. And Alex came out and was like, um, this is ridiculous. And if these lies keep being spread, then I'm going to come out and reveal everything. Eventually, what ended up happening was that she just left. Oh. So, like, two months later, she was removed from promotions. So she stopped promoting this comeback where she was finally named the leader. And then, like, six months later, in August of 2016, she had left. And she lives in America now. Ugh. Ugh. That's all, that's all too much. Mm -hmm. So for all, and I, it's funny because in my research, I saw so many, like what was mostly suggested was like how to become a K-pop idol if you are not Korean. And I was like, no, this isn't what I'm looking for. But also as a warning to all of you people who are Googling that, like maybe don't. It like, seems like it's really hard. Um, so uh, an interesting thing about another way that foreign idols are like not equal to their to their <laughs> Korean counterparts uh, is with how much they get paid. Um, and this was all sort of like exposed by Soren from CLC late last year, which I thought was really cool of her. Um, but she was being very like she wasn't being accusatory. It was sort of like she saw, that there's just, like, this accounting bullshit that, like, mm -hmm. people up high get to decide and, like, people in governments get to decide and it has, like, it, the decisions of, like, an individual company or whatever for no, the most part. No, it all has part. to it's do like, with um, international laws. Yes. So Soren was explaining in this video. Soren is from CLC and she's Thailand. She, she's yeah. from Thailand. She's Thai. Yes. And she was explaining that, like, there's there's a lot of different ways that, like, people get paid from, like, making music. And, like, a lot of – and all the money that, like, say, you know, say CLC goes on a tour. Like, all the money that they make from concert tickets, like, has to be split up, like, a million different ways, like, between the venues and, like, whatever, whatever, whatever. But separate from that are royalty payments, um, which is, like, my husband works in this industry – which is that, like, when music gets played in things, it's on a commercial, it's in a wherever, um, people get a cut for, like, that music being used. And in Korea especially, like, in one of their – this was one of their um, attempts to make – for this whole how you wave to, like, make Korean – pop culture like awesome is that if if music gets played in a coffee shop if it gets played at the norebang at the karaoke room like people make money off of every single play like you can't play music for free basically like everybody gets paid off of it so royalty payments uh soren was explaining that it's like there's like four different types of royalty payments and type a is like streaming royalties like for your iTunes, your Spotify, or whatever. 
So all the Thai kids were getting all of their Spotify streamings, but the other three streamings, the 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 cafe ones, the whatever, were not eligible for them because of like some kind of Thai law no, with the South be- Korean law, and they like can't. It's because they weren't Korean citizens, and the country hadn't yet signed an agreement with Korea in order to ensure that they were in fact uh, paid those royalties. But then she got in touch with the uh, with the like board the what was yeah, it yeah she like got the, in touch with the Federation of Korean Music Performers which is a nonprofit organization it's basically like a union for musicians mm-hmm. um, and the whole purpose of it is to register artists for royalties and help protect their intellectual property so if artists are registered members with the FKMP then the FKMP will make sure that they. Um, like work with that artist's country in order to make sure that all of the laws are in place for them to get paid what they're owed. Mm-hmm. And like, so as Sorn was explaining, um, with Thailand in particular, because Cube, her company, she, re- they, excuse me, Cube themselves register all of their artists with the FKMP. Like they do it themselves um, and to make sure that all of their artists are represented by this group. But not all of the companies do that. And really the artist is supposed to register themselves. Mm -hmm. So a lot of non-Korean idols don't know that they are supposed to do that. And so like they actually aren't getting this money saved for them. Um, Yeah, and Soren said in the video that like – she asked Lisa from Blackpink, like, mm-hmm. does this happen to you? And Lisa was like, well, they told me when I signed my contract that I just wouldn't get paid as much and not to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, that might be fine for Lisa, but it wasn't yeah, fine for me. it wasn't fine for me. <laughs> um, so she went and she called this uh, federation. And um, basically what they do, it's really cool. They're a neat organization. They have partnerships with companies similar to, or organizations similar to themselves all around the world. Um, in order to make sure that, like, pretty much almost every single country in the world that Korea works with uh, as far as making music, like, has some kind of partnership with this organization. Um, But since Sorn, for example, is a member of this – with this organization, um, they take all those B, C, and D loyalties, right? So, like, the four types of loyalties, she's only paid A. So this organization will take B, C, and D and collect it from Cube and keep it in a trust for her because they're also a trust management organization. Mm. And so they keep it in a trust for her until the agreement with Thailand goes through. And so once it is legally allowed for her to be paid that amount of money, it will be there waiting for her when she's ready. But someone like Lisa, who's not a member of this group, doesn't have that trust waiting for her. Which she should really get on that because Blackpink is probably raking it in. I don't know. I mean, YG's got money problems, so who knows? But they are one of the big three, so their groups get paid right from debut. Yes. So that's that's Mm -hmm. something very interesting as well. Um, But one utterly depressing thing I found out about this Federation of Korean Music Performers is that they don't have any partnerships with China. It's one of the only countries in the whole world that doesn't have a partnership in order to protect their artists. I mean... It was really difficult to find any information about ways that China protects their artists. 
Yeah, that's that was like I think one of the things. I mean, I don't know how much like time or whatever we have, or if we want to save some of this for another episode. But like both of us were like very angry this week about how Chinese members of groups that we love were being treated, and we're just getting really cranky about like why is it? Why do the Chinese ones seem to get treated the worst? Mm-hmm. And it seems like because maybe they have no legal protection to do so. And that all the companies are, like, raking it in off of them for all their Chinese promotions so they get, like, overworked. They do end up making a lot of – I think that it's – that there's lack of protection on both sides, really, Mm -hmm. like the the Korean and Chinese fronts because actually both – like, both sides are making a ton of money off of these members or off of these idols. Like, not only does – the Korean company like make a significant portion or percentage of the profit like based off of all of their solo activities no matter what they are Mm -hmm. but also a lot of Chinese companies are invested in the Korean entertainment industry and so like like one of the companies oh shoot I forgot to write it down and I can't remember what the um, it's the company that does Astro and Weki Meki. Uh, oh, they're like, aren't they on the teeter of bankruptcy at the no, moment? No, they right got now? bought out by oh, chi- okay. by their Chinese investors, and so the president of the company got kicked out, and that's why the Lucky that's EP of Weki Meki was was postponed. It I was eventually see. released, but it was postponed because the so like basically Chinese investors bought it and eventually bought a majority share of this company, kicked out their Korean pr- president, and replaced it with a Chinese president. And then, like, there was a a lot of uproar in the company. But so there's significant investment, Chinese investment in the K-pop and Hallyu, like, industry. Mm -hmm. So I think that they just, like, these poor Chinese idols, they get end up getting caught in the crosshairs. Yeah, because it's like like they have to be popular in both places. And Mm -hmm. so they end up, like, working twice as much. I know. Ugh. And it's also, yeah, I don't know. And it's so different the way that, like, both countries, like, operate and things. And, like, uh, you know, like, I've seen that the the, the Chinese idols can't speak Korean on Chinese TV. Like, Mm. and that, like, like, that's a weird thing they have to, like, watch out for where they, like, spend their lives in this other country, like, speaking one language. And then they have to go home and do Chinese TV and, like, not slip up. And, like, I don't know. It's all... It's all – I'm just very – I'm like – I'm sad and I just want everyone to go home to their moms, which is a thing I know they don't get to do, I which know. is like also really sad. They never get to see their parents. Because like already like the Korean idols don't get to see their parents very much. You hear them say that, that like they work mm-hmm. too much. But like I remember on Roommate, it was like one of the biggest like moments in the second season of Roommate. Jackson hadn't seen his mom in two and a half years. Like – hadn't seen her in two and a half years. So, like, JYP and the whole, like, roommate house, like, surprised him with his parents. And I've never seen anyone cry like I've never uh. seen anyone cry like that. And then, him, and then like, they were having a big Christmas party, but Jackson just laid up in his bed with his mom. Like, Aww. ugh, it was, it's so sad. Uh, but that's really sweet. I know. It's very sweet. But, like, I don't know. They have dreams. Kids have dreams. And they, like, do... I know. They'll do they'll suffer for their dreams. They and will it's sad. and they do. And they do. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to even like end this. Well, we said that it had a happy ending. Oh. We continued talking after the happy ending and made it sad again. Oh yeah. We Oops. brought it back down. 
The happy ending was supposed to be that Soren has worked with this organization and that Thailand did sign the agreement. Right. Um, so the happy ending was supposed <laughs> to be that Thai artists, at least, are going to very soon be getting paid the same amount of royalties as their Korean counterparts. Um but, like, I guess that's, that's like, one fun, interesting thing that I, like, at least I like is that, uh, like, they have friends. Like, as this gets – as this goes on, like, we will get more – like, I think that the foreign idols will have more. They'll find ways to, like, protect themselves better and get better payment. And there will just be, like, more of them and they won't have to be the weird foreign kids. But, like, at the moment, it's nice that they all have each other. Like, all there's only, like, seven Thai idols and they all, like, mm-hmm. have groups group chats and like hang out like they're all like best friends yeah it is really sweet to see that like the the non-korean idols really across groups and across companies like do become very close friends like different chinese idols have said like oh all of the chinese idols know each other we speak korean to each other when we see each other in china like yixing looks out for all of us <laughs> like, yes he he's like, like the, go- the grandfather mm-hmm. of all chinese idols I think so. And like I also thought it was very interesting that um that there's only seven Japanese idols. There's seven. Yeah. And that's it. Which I'm surprised that there's Japanese idols at all, honestly, just because the like beef is so bad and you like still can't yeah. speak Japanese on Korean TV. Like there are still so many crazy Japan rules that I am like I'm surprised that there are three members of Twice that are Japanese cuz Twice is huge. Yeah, but also like the Japanese market for K-pop is huge. Yes. I like, mean it is. Is. It like makes Despite sense. Despite their history of, you know, complex relations, like Japan is one of Korea's biggest markets. Sure. But I, I, I guess I, I've, I just feel like the, the, those seven Japanese idols are probably like the bravest, <laughs> like just when it comes to like public, like winning public over personas. the public. But like, I don't Maybe. know, people really like Kangnam for some reason. And he was like the first. MIB was the name of the boy band. I honestly like couldn't tell you what any of their songs were but they have this one member named Cognum and he's just like been a TV star like for as long like everybody loves that guy like oh, didn't we get so them wacky. as one of our random groups I don't think so he was on uh, Busted he was the guy who just kept showing up as the part time worker on like so many of the episodes and they'd be like mm. it was you that part like he was in like four or five of the episodes and he'd be like you guys have to stop showing yeah, yeah, up yeah. I'm gonna lose all my jobs yeah. Oh, yeah. I do remember him, but also we definitely got his group as one of our random play games. Really? Yeah, I remember. Wow. I remember the music video. I forgot. I erased it from my mind, I guess. It wasn't It wasn't one that we loved. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about about foreign K-pop idols other than that I love a lot of them, which leads to, like, heartbreak a lot. But, uh yeah, it can be diff- like beware if a foreign idol is your is your bias cuz you'll just get sad that you like never get to see them if they're busy in China. Yeah, I mean they might have <laughs> schedules in their own home countries. They might end up tied up with some absurd lawsuit. All you kinds of know. things could happen. But anyway, we love all of the foreign idols and yeah, we appreciate Yeah, regardless them. of where you're from. We're glad you're here. Thanks for doing K-pop. We love you. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with our random game. (laughs) Okay, we're back. And the random number generator was listening to us, and it knew exactly what we needed, I guess. such an appropriate...
try that again. Yeah, it gave us such an appropriate group this time. Yeah, so we got a group that debuted in 2012, and they were called Tasty. Mm-hmm. Spelled just like you think it is. And they were um, comprised of identical twin brothers. Yes, two identical twins um, from China. From China! Yeah, so so strange. Um, it's like one of those glitch in the matrix Yeah, moments. it's like exactly, exactly what... Uh, what we were talking what we were about. Talking about. So now we have an entirely non-Korean group. Uh, yeah, Tasty. They were under Wulim Entertainment. Um, and they started out as JYP trainees. Did mm-hmm. five years as JYP trainees, then left because they, as they cited in an interview, it was too hard to see people debuting. Like people who'd showed up after them mm, getting debut to debut. before them, yeah. So they left JYP and they ended up going to Wulim Entertainment um, where they released just a few singles or a full – did they ever release a full EP under Wulim? Uh, nope. It looks like just two singles. Um, but so they released a couple singles with Wulim Entertainment and then eventually they decided to leave Wulim Entertainment, uh, in 2015 because they said, what did they say? They said they were going back to China and then Wulim was like, uh, they didn't tell us this. And it was like, uh, like they announced that they were leaving and then the company claimed that they had no idea that they were going to leave. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, I was just looking for the reason that they said that they were leaving. And the only reason that they gave was that, um, they were dissatisfied with the management. But they did also say like, hey, no, we told you guys that we were leaving. Yeah. So they went back to China. They rebranded themselves as the Hanch Brothers. Mm-hmm. And released an album in China in 2016, and that's the last anyone has heard of them. It looks heard from them. It looks like, so I don't know. I'm very curious to see. It says that they're still presently active, but we'll see. We'll see. So the video of theirs that is most popular is called "You Know Me," and it has 1.6 million views. And I guess we should just. Here we go. Give it a shot. So here we go. Okay. They're in like black and white rooms with like abstract shapes just standing on them. Oh! It's really trippy that they're twins. Uh-huh. Because then you really are seeing the same face multiple times. Yeah, it's not <laughs> racist to say that their faces are the same. Their faces actually are the same. So basically this whole video is just a box video. One of them is all in white and one of them is all in black. And they are just dancing in an empty room. And one of them is blonde. Oh, Okay. That's kind of a cute dance move. I did like that. It is cute. This sounds like an early 2 p.m. Big Bang song. Uh Uh-huh. Very JYP. The dancing's pretty good, though. Yeah. I just can't. This is that just kind of like club music that feels like barely music to me. Mm-hmm. 
It's very repetitive. Uh huh. But I like the choreography. Yeah, no, they they're good dancers and they're doing like cute stuff with the fact that there's two of them. We haven't said anything in forever. I've just been like zoned out, like because they're just dancing in a white room, and it's just like okay. Yeah, nothing. I mean, nothing like shocking is happening. Oh, those are different outfits. Yeah. But even the outfits haven't been that outrageous. But I also feel like they've been cha- like the camera angle and the shot changes so often. I kind of can't tell what they look like. No, I like, can't I, either. I haven't gotten I, a good look at either of their faces because they just the are face. zipping around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alrighty, that was tasty. Uh, that was that was tasty. I'd be interested to know if all of their songs sound like that, if that's like their general style or if they do other stuff. Because one of their songs was written by Hoya and um, who else? Dongwoo from Infinite yeah, H. From Infinite H. So that was their other most popular song, Ma Ma Ma. Um, so I wonder if that one's maybe a little bit more melodic. I don't know. Yeah. That was interesting. But that one, that song we just listened to got to 80 on the chart and Ma 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 got to 61. So mm-hmm. neither of them are really yeah. that popular, but yeah. interesting. Well, that was Tasty. That was Tasty. Now they only promote in China. So good luck, Tasty. <laughs> good luck, Tasty. Um, uh, recommendations for the week. You um, should go I first. can go first. Um, I was trying to think of something and I was inspired uh, to pick this because of Sweet Soren, who we talked about earlier. Um, there's a whole series of videos. So I'm recommending like a whole series of videos. Um, and this is called Jinho Magazine Ho. Mm, which yes. is a series that Jinho from Pentagon has been doing for the last like year or so where he releases videos of him doing covers mostly of like English mm-hmm. western songs um and he recently did We Don't Talk Anymore with Soren from CLC and all of the videos are good my favorite one is probably uh When I Was Your Man that like Bruno Mars cover cuz mm-hmm. like that is a song, and like he can sing, and it's like so good. But they're all really good. He's and doesn't just so he do good. one with Hong Sok? Yes, which is the one that he does with Hong Sok. I a Chris Brown, I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna look it up though, because I want to know. Oh no, no, that's not lay, true. I knew it was Sam Smith. Yes, they yeah. did lay me down by Sam Smith. I think uh, with Kino, he did a Chris Brown, and they they filmed it in the. Uh, in the cafe in the cube building. Oh. They're just like in there, like walking and doing like a steady cam, like walking in circles. But anyway, they all have like different production values. Some are just him sitting at a piano. Some are like filmed. Mm-hmm. But there is like, 
I don't know. I, There's I don't a know. whole bunch of them, and they're all beautiful. They're all beautiful. So that's my recommendation. Any and all episodes of Jinho Magazine Ho. Check it out on YouTube. Good choice. Great recommendation. Um, I'm going to recommend something kind of random, but I just found it today on my iTunes or on my – what am I saying? On my phone. Um, many moons ago, mm-hmm. we in our random play game found a group called – TST Top Secret. Yes. And I we really liked their song. I think it was called She. Yes. And uh so I bought that EP. It was called Time's Up. And I found it on my phone today. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that I bought that. I wonder if that's good. It is good. The entire EP is good. I really do like it. But I'm gonna recommend specifically their last song on it, which is called Without You. Okay. Because after reading, doing so much research into like the economics of K-pop. Uh, the sad truth is that most of these K-pop idols like are not being paid what they should be being paid, especially mm-hmm. those like lesser-known groups that are not from the big yeah. three and are from like more mid-level companies. So this week's recommendation is a shout out to all those mid-level company idols. <laughs> you guys are working real hard, top secret, and I hope that you are <laughs> still working hard and will eventually. <laughs> Break even and yeah. start making some money for yourself. Yeah. So without you, top secret. Do them a solid and buy it. There you go. <laughs> it's like 99 cents. <laughs> and more on that next week when we finally get to our long-teased contractual disputes. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, it will probably be just as depressing as this episode was, so um, – Hope I hope that next, next time we can hit you guys with something really fun. We just like, we've taken, we have, like, I have, we have a big list of things we want to do episodes about, and we keep putting off the depressing stuff. And now we've left ourselves with like a pile of upsetting episodes that we have to do because K pop, like all things, has a dark side. Like, nothing is fun. Everything has to like be not fun under the surface. So, like, we got to get to that. So, hang in with us. I promise you're, it's all still. It's all still fine. Like, we all still like this music. It's all fine, but it's not fine. If you would like to find us, we're all over the internet at AMA K-pop Pod on Instagram and Twitter, AMA K-pop Pod at Tumblr.com for links, AMA K-pop Pod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. And we are now on YouTube. Ask me about K-pop podcast on YouTube. Um, I'm having snags in trying to get the whole show uploaded to YouTube because podcasting is the Wild West where nobody pays attention to anything. And YouTube is not that. So my episodes keep getting pulled for using music I'm not allowed to use. So we'll see. I'll get as many of them up as I can, but some of them are getting pulled down. Uh, But anyway, that's that. That's where you can find us and we will see you all next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Chongyun, you're our inspiration. (laughs) 